Hello and welcome back to the DDI podcast. I'm Stephanie Peebles and I'm the Communications and Engagement Executive here at the Data Driven, or DDI for short, Innovation Programme here at the University of Edinburgh. To celebrate International Women's Day, I'm thrilled to be joined by my fellow teammates today, Helen Dundas, Gemma Cassells, Ruth Donnelly and Alison Muckersey. To hear all about their roles within DDI, their backgrounds, their challenges and what exciting projects they've got coming up. This is a very much a small snapshot of the exciting and interesting work within DDI, the DDI hubs and our partners. What was fascinating was the continuous theme of collaboration and people throughout all of their streams of activity and work. So if you want to find out more or to collaborate with us, um, please follow our website at ddi.ac.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at datacapitaled. So without further ado, sit back, relax and enjoy the podcast. So welcome, ladies. Happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Hello. My absolute pleasure. So first of all, Alison, can you tell us about your role at DDI? Okay, thanks so much. So I'm Alison Muxy. I lead something called the DDI Skills Gateway. DDI standing for data-driven innovation. And we're all about looking at innovative ways to develop data literacy skills for people in this part of Scotland. So that be that people in schools, in colleges, in universities or in the world of work. And what was your background before you came into this role? So my background, I spent most of my career in local government and I've worked across most of the service areas that local government covers. I more recently ended up in economic development and spent a lot of time researching and enacting cities policy, which led me into the city deal program. In fact, I kicked off the city, city deal program and I was the project manager there until I moved over to the university about four years ago. Fantastic. And Gemma, you're also in person with me today. Why don't you tell us about your role at DDI? Hello everyone, I'm Gemma Cassells. I am in my second DDI role. So I'm currently the lead strategist for the Data Driven Innovation Programme. So working to help the programme meet all of its goals and targets across the 10 year lifespan of the programme from uh, an operational and strategic planning perspective. Prior to that, I was on secondment from Edinburgh Council. I also have a background in local government um, where I was the public services sector lead to the DDI programme for two and a half years, working with the six regional local authority partners to look at how we can do projects around how we can use data to improve the design and delivery of public services. Thank you very much, Gemma. And joining us remotely, we have Helen Dundas and Ruth Donnelly. So Ruth, first of all, what's your role within DDI and what is your background? Well, I'm the director of the Students as Change Agents programme, which is a key student-facing programme within DDI. And its aim is to introduce, excuse me, students to data-driven innovation by allowing them to work collaboratively with each other and with organisations in Edinburgh and beyond to tackle what are called wicked challenges, so really complex, difficult challenges, which impact society, the environment or the economy. Um, my background, my day job is Assistant Director of the Careers Service. So my background is firmly in careers, student employability, development field. Um, and I'm particularly interested in helping students fast track their personal and professional development by connecting externally. So be that to employers or organisations, partners beyond the walls of the university. 
but also to our amazing alumni community. And all of those connections really help students become more confident in their career search. Fantastic. And Helen, what's your role at DDI and what's your background? Mine is a little bit more similar to Gemma. Um, I come from having been at Edinburgh Innovations and I was seconded after being there for 10 years doing the knowledge exchange and commercialization for the Easter Bush campus, which is the veterinary campus for the university. And to look specifically on how data-driven innovation can be transformative for livestock, animal health and food security, or I guess more simply put, how do you produce more protein for the growing population in a manner that's sustainable for the planet. And would you say that's one of your biggest challenges in the role and how you're, and how would you address that? Oh, there's certainly many challenges, but I think one of the major challenges is the fact that the programme itself is, is a change programme. So it's the fact that you've got that cross and interdisciplinary element, which we've got to bring, you know, in from different, different technologies across the university to look at the grand challenges and get that engagement process happening with the academic community. And we're getting there. Alison, what would you think your biggest challenges are and how are you overcoming them in your role within the skills programme? I think helping people to understand, firstly, what we mean by data-driven innovation, and secondly, why it's valuable to them to develop data literacy skills. So the way we're doing that is to try um, and use novel approach to learning and teaching. So for example, we're using gamification with young people. We've got a series of live lessons, which is engaging them um, around life challenges using data science as a way to come up with solutions. We're also embedding data in a wide range of curriculum areas to make it more attractive and almost teach people data without them realizing they're learning data science techniques. Um, particularly we find with women, if you badge something data science, it tends to be a bit of a turn off. So we're helping demystify what we mean by data literacy and trying to find engaging and innovative ways to teach it. Fantastic. And, and Ruth, that probably leads on to kind of what you're doing with Satcha. So what would be the challenges within the students and the students' change agents programme? To be honest, a lot of the challenges that we had expected within the programme didn't actually materialise. So we thought we might have to struggle to get students interested, involved, to find partners who would give us challenge topics and the absolute opposite has happened. Students are really, really keen, really interested. We've got a long list of, of partners who can see the benefit of having students and their fresh thinking working on those. So I suppose my challenge is more around the university community, just making really effective connections to, to be able to make change happen. And I think particularly while we're still, so many of us are working remotely and everyone is so busy. So people, when I tell them about the SASHA programme, can see the benefits to them, to the university, to the organisations, more broadly to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But they often don't have a lot of time and that cushion that, that's needed in their day to be able to collaborate very effectively. So the will is there. The challenge is just trying to create that space and put enough resource at it to make sure that collaboration is happening and most importantly we're, we're tapping into what's already there at the university so that we're not reinventing the wheel because there's so much good practice happening already and I see it as my role as the director of this program to make sure that we're capitalizing on that not trying to reinvent any of it. 
Absolutely. And I think, Gemma, that probably leads on to your role as kind of lead strategist, not reinventing the wheel, having a collaboration within the university. What are the challenges within doing that? No, absolutely. That is the biggest challenge. It is, as Helen was saying, it's a change programme for the university and as well as being a change programme for the city region. Like it's that's the, the goal of the city region growth deals. Um, I think the biggest challenge in my role is trying to, it's also the most exciting thing, is trying to keep all the moving parts of what make DDI moving in the same direction towards the same goals, while allowing people who are experts and passionate about particular areas to really thrive and deliver their best work. And how we manage all of the different moving parts of that is uh, sometimes quite a logistical challenge at a sort of program level, but trying to find ways where we can support people to do their best work is is definitely the biggest challenge like sometimes that comes down to the really boring like day-to-day stuff about how we do governance meetings and how we do processes but they're the things that allow other people to really shine so it's uh it's definitely something that needs careful thought and not everybody's favorite thing is in a governance spreadsheet but uh, they're definitely necessary at times absolutely so how are you overcoming these kind of challenges what's your your main key or main tool i think it's building up the collaborations across the university through the innovation hubs. So the the DDI program has six innovation hubs across two universities and working with the chief operating officers and the other staff that are leading the development of programs uh, within those innovation hubs has been key in terms of getting everybody to talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, when they want to do it so that we can start building up that strategic and operational planning perspective to allow us to understand as a program how we're going to deliver these really big ambitious targets that we're working towards for 2032. And I think that forward-looking gaze and, and being excited about what's coming next is quite important. So Alison, what would you say is one of the main things that you're looking forward to within your program? In the short term, March 2022 is an exciting time for us because we're about to kick off a series called the Day of Data, which will bring our schools and college programme to work together and to find ways to excite people at school about data science. So we've got a range of contributors working across the four regional colleges that include Fife, Borders, West Lothian and Edinburgh College. We've got contributors contributors from the university's DDI hubs. We've got some external contributors too. And the purpose of the series of events is really to create that sense of excitement amongst school pupils. So they can go back to school and say, hey, you can do some really cool things with data. We should be learning more about this. Let's start to teach the NPA, which is the National Progression Award in Data Science Mm. and get more involved in all the opportunities that DDI present. Fantastic. And question to you then, Helen, the same kind of one. What are you most looking forward to? What excites you about your role just now? Oh, the most exciting for me is building that entrepreneurial ecosystem and um, helping to support, find the next, well, find the next agritech that's going to be a unicorn and uh, see them flourish. So uh, that's definitely the most exciting. I just kind of wanted to pick up a little bit of what Gemma was saying is because I'm embedded in one of the hubs. And I, I think you know, for me is to try and get the academic community on board. It's very much having those conversations and being open and inclusive and, you know, being prepared to signpost and make these user cases and just kind of show them how, show them the way of what, what can be done uh, um, through de- sort of just de-scaring it a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, excitement. I want the next unicorn. 
And by unicorn, I take it you don't mean magical animal. <laughs> <laughs> and Ruth, what about you? What's exciting for Satra coming up? Well, I'm really excited at the prospect of us being able to introduce the Sasha model into the curriculum. So the Sasha model being experiential learning with external partners and the university is going through a huge curriculum transformation program with the view of a totally new curriculum experience being launched for 2025. And it could be completely transformative for, for students in Edinburgh. And I'm working quite hard, as Helen said, to get academics on board to the idea that experiential learning can be really transformative and it can tick so many of the boxes about the type of experience that students want and that will prepare them for the future of work. So we know that students who take part in SASHA increase their confidence in using data. We know that they become better team workers, they're able to collaborate online, um, and they are able to solve problems. Not that Sasha necessarily solves problems, we talk about tackling challenges, but there's lots of steps within that which actually involve problem solving, time management, personal organisation, making things happen. And that's what we want to see for our students because we know that's what they're going to need in the future. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, we're running it as an opt-in programme, and I'm really excited that if we can get this as part of the, the general curriculum at the university, all students would then get a chance to benefit from this type of learning. And ultimately, it could become a USP for studying at Edinburgh. And when I say Edinburgh, not necessarily just Edinburgh University, the other universities within and colleges within the city deal area, could benefit from this as well because there's huge untapped potential and uncapped growth there that um, I think we could all benefit from. Absolutely. And Gemma, from a programme perspective, what are you looking forward to the most? What excites you about the programme coming up? Uh, everything? Is that a good answer? <laughs> um, I am really looking forward to seeing how the hubs really become uh, really start to set themselves up and become open for business. Um, we've only got one hub at the moment, the Bay Centre, which has a physical building, but we've got two or three, three hubs coming uh, on board that should be opening or at least partially opening uh, physical locations in Edinburgh this year, which is really exciting. So EFI, the Edinburgh Futures Institute, the Edinburgh International Data Facility and the National Robotarium based out at Harriet Watt will all have buildings that open this year. And so seeing how these become uh, gravity points, I guess, for people congregating, sharing ideas as we start to maybe come back to work as uh, every now and again, um, is going to be a really exciting period of time for the programme overall. There's a couple of projects that I've been involved in that I'm really excited to see grow and develop. Um, <clears throat> one is the Data Collaborative for Children, which is a partnership between the Scottish Government, the University and UNICEF. And they are going from strength to strength and have just developed the world's first uh, climate risk assessment for children. Um, which is very timely, was presented at COP26. And so growing, my background's in geography, so I'm very biased mm. towards environmental and sustainability projects. Um, but that one I think is really valuable and is going to be a great one to see grow um, as a centre of excellence for Edinburgh and the city region and show how we can showcase uh, our talents as the data capital for Europe uh, internationally and show the kind of work that we can do for 
Edinburgh and the city region as well as the world. Absolutely. And I think that leads on to kind of what DDI's slogan, if you like, is, which is doing data for good and trying to be the data capital of Europe. And Gemma, what do you think doing data for good means? What does that mean to you? It means, it goes back to, I've, I've worked in the public sector for most of my career. I've worked at the intersection of science and policymaking uh, in international development contexts in Scotland, uh, as well as as an academic. And it always comes back to to the values that we as, that we have as a society and like how can we can't be the data capital for Europe if we increase inequality if we leave people behind if we just increase a small proportion for people who are already advantaged so for me the aims of the program are to bring everyone with us to use data as a force for good in the world um, by doing data right doing it ethically doing it inclusively doing projects that really tackle issues in communities. I love a lot of the work that the Edinburgh Living Lab has done, like focusing on getting communities to use and generate their own data that they can then use as a tool for um, working with policymakers, for working with other organizations to really advocate for the issues that they care about. And I think that's where we really start to shine as a program when we are really using data to empower people. Absolutely. And, and from people, people need data skills in which to do that, Alison. So what do you think doing data good is for you? Well, for me, it's about making sure that the opportunities that the data revolution provides is the opportunities are available to everybody across our region. And that means upskilling them to take advantage of the jobs that will be created from this programme and from the new ways of working, which increasingly will require people to have basic data skills. For me, it also means that our programme is run in an inclusive and equal way, be that from the governance arrangements through to the curriculum content we teach, to the data sets we use as part of our learning process. So it's, it's having that check on everything we do about being equal, open and inclusive. Definitely. And I think, Ruth, that probably is related to the students as well. And when you're talking about doing data right and doing data good, what is it for you and for Satcha? Well, I've got an interesting quote from one of our very first change agents. And we were asking why they were motivated to come on the programme. And she said something around the fact that she recognises the power and responsibility our generation has to affect change. And I think that can be applied equally well to the use of data, which is obviously a key part of the programme. So there's power that comes with that data and there's new insights to be gleaned. There's huge amount of connections that, that can be made because of the access to data. But on the other hand, there's the responsibility to use that ethically and to understand the potential misuses of data, even as simple as misquoting data, manipulating figures to, to, to make a case. And I see the, this program being deeply um, embedded in the values of data ethics and understanding the power and responsibility of using data as being really crucial to what students take away. They're more confident in using data, but understand to what purpose and how they're using that. And I think that the pandemic has shown how important data is to everyone and that we use it every day, we use it in every sector, uh, including agritech. So Helen, what does doing data right mean for you? 
Yeah, I'm picking up on the epidemic. I mean, a lot of the agri-tech um, data-driven innovation for um, for the university is based on the veterinary school and Roslyn Institute's um, expertise and in their understanding of disease transmission. Uh, and, and I think that's really important. You know, where is the next epidemic going to come from? They, they generally come out of the animal systems. So there's an opportunity to use data data both in the humans um, data systems and the environmental data systems but also in the animal data systems and only through doing data right you know can we start to map where the next pandemic might come from but, but also just looking at you know we do need to produce protein for a growing population but we want to do it in a way that not only is producing higher yields but making sure that we do it sustainably for the planet but also we've got to do it in a way that gives animal health and welfare benefits. And that's where we can do data right. We can move into the transformation of using um, sequencing data, all, all omics data, and, and putting that data together to truly make transformative decisions on, on agricultural systems. And I think that could be said for, for every sector and having these people who think in a, an innovative fashion that really makes a difference to the world and and that's the basis for many heroes and heroines that have changed the world so so Gemma who would be your hero or heroine um I have many who are often <laughs> not named or shouted out I like I said earlier I'm a geographer and I love the early history of exploration of women who tried to go and do what the men were doing um, as geographers and explorers, uh, particularly all these Victorian women who have stories of like tramping around Africa in corsets and crinolines. Um, in more modern times, um, there is a colleague, someone who I've been lucky enough to call a colleague, Andiswa Melissa, who is the head of Earth observation for the uh, South African National Space Agency, who has been pioneering the role of women and championing the role of women within the space sector and within geospatial information systems um, for decades now. She is fantastic and always an inspiring person to talk to and I get smarter just being in a room with her. <laughs> um, I love and I'm inspired by all of my colleagues and all of the work that everyone's doing. Um, but my, my real guiding star heroine, she's fictional. That's okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to like you get my real heroines and my fictional heroines. So um, there is a series of books by uh, my favourite fantasy author called Tamora Pierce, and there is a character called Lady Knight Caledry of Mindelin. Perfect. Um, because I love a woman with a sword. So it's basically it's I look up to the way she leads and leading with empathy and not shirking away from doing hard things when it's the right thing to do. Like don't turn your back on anyone mm. who is in need. And it's one of those ones where it's just like I read it as a small child and as a teenager, and it's one of those ones where I've always I've always reread it and gone, that's actually the kind of woman I want to grow up to be when I'm a when I'm a grown up, which I'm still working on. Yeah, plenty of time for that. Plenty of time for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ruth, I'll come to you. Who's your hero or heroine? Well, if I'm not using too much jargon, I think I admire change agents. Um, mm -hmm. So people who really care about our society and our planet, um, who are humble enough to know that they can't make change alone so they need to collaborate with others who are intelligent um, and again humble enough to truly listen to other people work with them and then they have the passion and drive to make things happen 
So I suppose a big shout out to all the change agents who've been through the SASHA programme and who see the world differently and their place in it differently now that they see themselves as change agents. Um, in terms of an actual person, I wish I'd thought of fictional, well done, Gemma. <laughs> but a, a high, because there could be so many there, but a high profile change agent heroine of mine is Michelle Obama. And I see that her embodying that leading the empathy that Gemma mentioned, intelligent, strong, yet vulnerable and value driven and believing that change can happen and pulling others along with her, especially those on the margins of society, to, to try and make that change happen. Absolutely, I, I would completely agree with you. Helen, who, who springs to mind when we see hero or heroine to you? I'm going to have to go back to the 1500s. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated with Queen Elizabeth I. I just think she has a fascinating story where, you know, against a, a time of massive religious unrest where her life was often in danger and she lived in such a patriarchal society that she could have risen to being such an extraordinary leader both you know her political judgment her financial ability you know she put England really as a major political powerhouse um, and while doing that she still supported voyages of discovery and she encouraged the arts to flourish so yeah I have to say I'd, I'd love to um, go in a time machine and, and meet her uh, I mean, I'm not sure that she showed a vulnerable side, though, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Alison, for you, who's your hero or heroine, would you say? Well, I've got a couple. And like Gemma, I'm a geographer. So I love data sets. Um, I love the way data is interpreted uh, truthfully and otherwise. So I'm going to call out one of the contributors to a previous DDI conference, who was Caroline Credo Perez, the author of Invisible Woman. Women, a book that's received a lot of coverage, uh, and quite rightly so, calling out the use of the term and statistics linked to average man mm. in the way we design our products and services, and the way we look at health conditions and so on. So I'd like to call her out. But um, very topically, I also have huge admiration for Lise Doucette, who's the BBC's international correspondent, and who at the moment is putting her life on the line, reporting from Ukraine and bringing truth to very difficult situations at a time where untruths will be being peddled by all sorts of unsavoury characters. So I think a call out to Lise Doucette in these difficult times. Absolutely. And I think for me, I'd say the same. I think all of the women you've mentioned are just a fraction of the women in history that have really made a difference to our lives, to our, the way we work, the way we live, to our medicines, to everything. Women have played a part of history from the very beginning and without which there wouldn't be a future, there wouldn't be history. Um, also to shout out to the women, today I'm joined by Helen, Ruth, Gemma and Alison, but we also have Joe, Laura, Rachel and Megan in the DDI office, um, who we hope to join us on the next edition of this very special podcast. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much for your time, ladies. And I really enjoyed this very brief discussion that we've had, and I hope you all have too. The links that my colleagues have mentioned will put into the description. And we hope you share this with your fellow female and male colleagues and anyone else who would like to listen to this. And uh, so thank you very much for your time and have a wonderful day. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit review and check out ddi.ac.uk for a selection of upcoming podcasts and webinars and articles as part of our virtual engagement series. Hashtag DDI discussions. Make sure you follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Data Capital Ed. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great day.